you've got to get the technology right. We've invested a lot in technology. We're going to invest more. Um, and uh, one of the things you can do through a ghost kitchen, by the way, or at least through ours, is you can order multi-concept dining. So if you want chicken and your wife wants salad and your kids want pizza, you can do that um, on one ticket with one delivery driver. And that uh, that works out great for families of four or five or eight yeah. there. What's up, Zach Oates here, author, entrepreneur, and customer relationship guru. Welcome to Give an Ovation, growth strategies for restaurants and retailers, where we find industry leaders to share their secrets to grow your business. This podcast is sponsored by Ovation, the actionable guest feedback tool that works on or off premise and is easy, real time, and actually drives revenue. Learn more at OvationUp.com. Welcome to another edition of Give an Ovation. I am joined today by a tool suit, an international business expert where he has had some incredible experiences from turning the company profitable that was losing millions in less than a year, building and selling a tech company from the ground up and being the director of global digital technology for McDonald's. He is now the chief business officer at Kitchen United, where he's been for the last four years. A tool. Thanks for joining us on Give an Ovation. I know this has been like months in the planning of finally getting our calendars to coordinate, but here we are, man. Here we are. I'm so happy to be here and uh, excited for this conversation. So thank you for inviting me. So for those who aren't familiar, tell us a little bit about Kitchen United. Sure. Kitchen United uh, was the pioneer in what's now called the ghost kitchen space. We started about four and a half years ago um, and were really the first entrant in the space before it had a term associated with it. Um, what did you guys call it back then? You know, we were trying to we were trying to figure it out. We were calling it virtual restaurants. That uh-huh. never really stuck. We found that to be more compelling than ghost kitchens. When you think of a ghost kitchen, you generally have thoughts about a dark kitchen down a back alley. Right. Uh, the first absolutely. time I heard it, it was like, uh, it sounds seedy. Exactly. A seedy place where customers aren't welcome. And uh, that's very much not the experience when you come into a Kitchen United. We have front-facing, uh, consumer-friendly pickup centers where uh, you can order through kiosks. Many of our locations are now food halls. We just opened a store within a store at a Kroger or Ralph's within uh-huh. uh, in Westwood in LA. Um, so they're very much uh, places where 10 to 12 restaurants can be cooking food at the same time, uh, but consumers and delivery drivers can go pick up the food. Um, and we work with we work with a whole range of brands, everybody from national brands like Chick-fil-A, Panera Bread, White Castle, to more regional brands like Fresh Brothers Pizza, which just opened in our uh, Ralph's in LA, and Saj Mediterranean, which is a great NorCal brand moving south, mm-hmm. um, all the way to independent restaurants as well. So it's been an exciting ride. I was the first employee. And no, here we are I didn't know that. Years. Yeah, I, I was uh, I was first on payroll, so um, I managed to convince the investors to actually pay me for my time, <laughs> which which is a hard sell in and of itself. <laughs> exactly, that is super cool. Now, speaking of you and your philosophies and what you would do, I know that your LinkedIn talks about how you strongly believe in the power of friendship. Um, t- tell me, what does that mean? You know, I've been in uh, I've been in business development and sales my whole life, um, and or my whole career at least, uh, if not my whole if not my whole life, 
And uh, I've just found the relationships stick with you. So all of my jobs that I've had, I've become friends with the people I worked with, I've become friends with my clients, I've become friends with my investors. And when you meet good people, you want to stay in touch with them. So I make an effort of uh, remaining in touch with people. I text people all the time, uh, try to pick up the phone and have conversations all the time. And Anna, you and I have been texting like weekly for the last four months. <laughs> we have been. You're good. You're good at it. You you text back really quickly. Um, but when you stay in touch with people, you know, business opportunities evolve and you just it's soothing for the soul. You know, it is just good to know what's happening in people's lives. When you when a friend has a baby, it's good to congratulate them. Um, friends get married. Friends go through hard times and you want to be in touch yeah. with them. So uh, I, I feel like business is far more, you know, I, I've, I've never been one to say, hey, sorry, dude, this is just business, right? That, that's, uh-huh. that's not me. It's, uh, it's always personal. It's always, whether or not you're friends, it's a personal relationship game. And uh, I'm, I'm fortunate to have a lot of friends. I think I've got, I, I don't know how many LinkedIn friends I have right now, but, uh, um, but it's, it's a healthy number. And I think that is, I, I love that. I know that it's hard to go this deep on a 15 minute podcast, but truly, I believe that one of the most innate human desires is the desire to feel important. That's something that we all have. And I think at the end of the day, you know, when we die, whatever you believe happens, unless you believe that nothing happens, in which case, you know, uh, yeah. more power to you. But if, if you believe there is some kind of a judgment, I don't think they're going to ask about business, but I think they're going to ask, did you help people feel more important, right? Did you elevate people? Um, and I think that it, it really isn't ever just business. And I think that goes for, you know, talking about partnerships, talking about business relationships, talking about customer experience. It, it's all around. And that's why it's so interesting, tool because being in the guest experience space, when a guest has a bad experience, why do they get so angry and they want to tell Yelp and Google and their mom and they text blast it out? And why? Because it's like someone has offended their feeling of self-importance. Yeah. And, and that's what it really comes down to, right? Mm-hmm. You didn't care enough about me to, to get my food right, to you know, make me not wait 10 minutes to whatever, whatever, whatever. Yeah. And I think that that's, that's the, at the end of the, at the heart of human engagement in relationships and in everything it's about that believing and helping others feel that importance, right? It is, and that's a great way to frame it. Um, I love the name of your company, by the way. Ovation gives such a such a uplifting, uh, it's it just an uplifting feeling you get from even saying the name Ovation, um, and just absolutely love it. And you know, talking about how do we celebrate? What are we doing? I think that as we look at four years ago. When Kitchen United was was getting off the ground, um, were there some people who kind of said, Atul, you are crazy, man? Oh, there were a lot. You know, we went through the fundraising game, right? And you've you've been there. Uh-huh. Um, there are some people who bite. There are some people who uh, encourage you. But there are significantly more people who say, no, this isn't going to work. This is too early. This is too expensive. Uh, you've got the wrong team. Uh, just a lot of naysayers. And we got lucky. We got Google Ventures in. We got them to invest $10 million early in the business. And then a lot of the people who'd said no to us turned around and called us and said, hey, can we get in too? Yeah. Um, oh, remember us? We were like exactly. super we were on so board. Excited. 
Oh man. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, we were, we, it, it's part of being early in an industry segment. We were literally the first ones in the industry segment. And, uh, and it's tough when you have to carve out uh, the attention from investors and from your mm-hmm. clients. Um, so there were, there were a lot of uh, restaurants as well who said, you know, I don't think we can fit into 250, 300 square feet. I don't think uh, we can get the operations to work with just delivery and pickup and catering. Um, and thankfully, uh, it's, you know, it's worked. It's working. Um, we're now part of the conversation with, I would suggest, most restaurant brands in America are thinking of ghost kitchens or working yeah. with us. Um, and uh, it's, great to, it's great to be there. Um, all right. What do you wish you would have known then that you know now? You know, I kind of wish I would have known how hard this business is. Uh, Would you have gone to a different space? (laughs) I probably wouldn't have gone to a different space, but I would have been more prepared for the amount of work that we've had to put into growing this business. Uh, And I would have gone in with my eyes fully wide open. You know, I guess it's kind of a blessing that I didn't know that because we, you know, we fumbled around for a while. We made mistakes, but we've learned from them. Um, it's, it's really um, the reason we are the size we are. We have 10 units open right now, opening uh, several dozen this year. Um, the reason we've been cautious and careful about growth is because it is a hard business. You've got construction, you've got permitting, you've got operational management day-to-day, human interaction, customer service, marketing, um, all of that. And then you've got to make sure the food comes out well and cooked at the same time as all the other orders. Um, And, um, and I think, I think we, uh, I think we've fortunately been able to hire the right team to handle all those different aspects of the business. Um, But it would have been, it would have been good to know just how steep the road is to climb. And the reason we've got 10 units today and not more is we wanted to make sure everything worked you know, we didn't have uh, uh, $500 million in the bank. We had one, then five, then 10. And we've had to grow cautiously and carefully and uh, use our cash wisely. And I think we've been fortunate enough to do so. And I think you've seen uh, in, in the business over and over and over again, what happens when you overraise and you scale too quickly. That's one of the number one reasons why startups fail is because they, they haven't truly nailed it. They've just covered up a multitude of problems with, with money. But looking at this space, obviously you're a believer in ghost kitchens. There's a lot of naysayers out there. What would you say to someone who's like, hey, this ghost kitchen thing is a fad. It's going gonna, it's gonna to go away. Why will ghost kitchens stay around? I think they'll stay around and I think we'll proliferate um, very rapidly in the next three to five years. And the reason is just fundamental economics. Um, if you look at opening a new brick and mortar restaurant, it can take between a million and a million and a half dollars, 12 to 18 months. And then you've got the operating costs of running the, running the shop. Mm-hmm. Um, in a ghost kitchen environment, you can get started for less than $30,000 in less than 30 days. And then you save 50% of your labor because Kitchen United takes that over for you in, um, in a great manner. We do cleaning, sanitization, front of house management, uh, receiving a food product in the morning. Um, and uh, when you're saving 50% on labor, saving your CapEx, it just makes sense to, uh, to work with a company like ours. Um, Amen. So yeah, th- we're, literally I, I that- the, we're literally the, um, on top of mind of, uh, 
the board of every major restaurant country and company in this country right now. As well, you should be. I, I feel like there has been, there's a wrong way to do ghost kitchens and there's a right way to do it. And I think that as you look at it in a carefully planned way and you look at the economics, I think that there's a lot of value there. I think obviously looking at Groupon, for example, right? There's a, there's a right way to do the Groupon model. There's a wrong way to do it. And there was a lot of people that jumped on that Groupon bandwagon and things didn't work out too well, right? But I think that as you look at the economics, if, you're, if you have the restaurant, the brand, the customer in mind, and uh, you're actually realistically looking at your P&Ls, I think there's a bright future for Ghost Kitchens. I think, again, you got to do it right. Yeah, I hope so. I've been betting my career on it. So, um, <laughs> so I hope, uh, I hope uh, the sun continues to shine. But you've got to do it right, right? And, uh, and a lot of that involves picking the right trade areas, picking the right restaurant partners, making mm-hmm. sure your kitchens are fully utilized or 90% utilized, um, making sure that customers understand what the concept is. Um, you, you've got to get the technology right. We've invested a lot in technology. We're going to invest more. Um, and, uh, one of the things you can do through a ghost kitchen, by the way, or at least through ours is you can order multi-concept dining. So if you want chicken and your wife wants salad and your kids want pizza, you can do that, um, on one ticket with one delivery driver. And that, uh, that works out great for families of four or five or eight there. I mean, Atul, back in the day, right? That was my favorite part of going to the mall, not just yeah. hanging out at Spencer's and seeing what weird stuff was there, but like I got to go to the food court and I could get, you know, the Japanese food and my Cinnabon for dessert. Um, and my mother could get a salad and my buddy can get a burger and, you know, like, and we could all go there and, and get what we wanted. And that that is the beauty of what you guys are doing is you're providing that same flexibility in a digital arena, which is extremely challenging to do. Absolutely, it is challenging to do. And one of the most challenging parts, which we've solved for, is if you are getting um, pizza, a burger, a rack of ribs, an ice cream, you don't want the ice cream to melt by the time the ribs are cooked. So yeah. you've got to stagger the fire times. We have a platform called Kitchen United Mix. It's consumer facing. And we have a tool within that called Orchestrator which allows you to stagger at fire times. And uh, so all the food comes out at the same time. Um, and that's not easy when you're dealing with, you know, maybe 10 to 15 cooks across five different kitchens. Yeah. And speaking of the guest experience, what would you say is the most important aspect of guest experience nowadays? Uh, the reason a lot of guests come back is because of that multi-concept ordering, mm-hmm. um, because they can pick and choose for the whole family. Um, and because of the actual cuisine choice that there is in there, we've done a, Good job, thankfully, of curating the restaurants we partner with, and uh, consumers really like it. Um, some order through DoorDash or Uber Eats, but more and more, on literally a daily basis, I get the reports order through our platform, and uh, and they come back. But uh, it would be great to talk in detail about working with you guys, so that we can uh, we can make sure we're focusing on the right aspects of the guest experience. Yeah, because I think that's one of the hard things, especially with ghost kitchens, is that. Uh, feedback is so important, right? Because you got to have that, you got to have a good guest experience and you got to know what it's pertaining to, right? Because if you, if you have a guest experience, you're ordering 10 things, which thing had an issue and what yeah. was the issue so you can make it right. Um, now, what are some successful things that you've seen or tried lately? 
Um, in the restaurant industry, I'm, uh, I'm just excited by the continued growth of delivery. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm, you know, I've been a, at McDonald's. I led food delivery partnerships seven years ago. So I've been seeing the trend lines and they continue to increase. The pandemic obviously brought a lot of tailwinds. I'm curious about what's happening in the robotic space. I wonder if it is, um, if it's really here or if it's ahead of its time. Mm -hmm. um, two aspects of robotics. One, I think is still a little ways to go, which is the um, it, which is the robot cooks in the kitchen. I think there's certain examples of it, uh, of that working well. Um, and then certain examples where there's still some room for growth. Um, yeah, where it seems area, a little bit gratuitous, not, you know, doesn't, not really saving anything, but maybe the long-term vision of it's better. But as it stands today, it's kind of like some robotics to me are like an electric vehicle that goes 50 miles on a charge where it's like, I get it, but not quite there. And well, some of it's like, some of it's slaves. Yeah, we're, we're actually having a great experience with a company called Serve Robotics. They have little, very cute um, mobile robots that deliver food in a Westfield mall for us. Oh, um, yeah. So they, they're roaming around the mall, very eye-catching, um, very, very cute again, and uh, and customers seem to love it. So we're having a good experience there. Um, I think, you know, when we get to truly autonomous delivery, if it, well, whether it's seven years away or 10 years away, I think delivery adoption is just going to skyrocket. Yes. Um, there'll need to be some changes in infrastructure and parking lots and whatnot, but that that will be an exciting time. I can't wait till till we see what happens when when we're at autonomous delivery. Yeah, I just I just got a new car that'll probably last me, you know, next five years, in which case I'll get an electric car. And yeah. then I'll have that for five years. And the next car I plan on being fully autonomous. Yeah. I, I, I want to work on my way to work. See, if, I want to watch TV on my way to work. Oh. <laughs> Listen to podcasts. There we go. Oh yeah. I'll, I'll play reruns of this one. Um, and lastly, who deserves an ovation in the restaurant industry today? You know, I think the the, I'd say two people, uh, primarily Corey Manicone and Sean Fitzgibbons. They were the, yeah. Uh, founding team behind Zool. Um, and uh, that was a ghost kitchen company that we acquired, uh, goodness, probably four months ago now. And, Corey, uh, Corey loves it. He speaks very highly of you and the company. Oh, that's great to hear. It, uh, he's a great he's a great guy. Fitz and I work closely together. And uh, I really think what they built was fantastic. The team was great. They, they have a great chief technology officer, Tyler, uh, who's come into our company and just is already a rock star. And, uh, you know, ovation to them, they, uh, they built a company and sold it. Yeah, that's, and as you know, that's not an easy task. Not an easy task. I've, uh, I've gone through that, that game. Yeah. Well, uh, a tool for giving us months of anticipation with planning for this podcast and delivering a rock star pod. Today's ovation goes to you. Thank you so much for all you do for the industry, for bringing this whole ghost kitchen concept to the forefront and uh, for what's to come, man. I'm really excited. So thanks. Thanks for what you do. And thanks for coming on Give Innovation. Thank you very much for having me. It's been great. Glad you're with us today. And thank you. Thank you to the risk takers, the troublemakers, the crazies who are keeping this world clothed and fed. You're the ones who deserve an ovation. Again, this podcast was sponsored by Ovation. To see how we can help you grow your business, go to OvationUp.com. 
Don't forget to subscribe. And as always, remember to give someone in your life an ovation today.